This is the Faculty Focus Live podcast, sponsored by The Teaching Professor. I'm your host, Tierney King, and I'm here to bring you inspiration, energy, and creative strategies that you can utilize in your everyday teaching. As we enter the new year, your list of goals and intentions for the year may be a well-crafted and well-thought-out plan. And perhaps on that list of yours are ways to be more mindful and effective when teaching online, specifically if you're using Zoom or other alternatives. If that's the case, stay tuned, because this episode will cover mindful techniques that you can implement into your online classroom. And we'll even dive into specific Zoom features that can help increase student interactivity. To start, Oliver Dreyan provides tactics that you can use to be mindful, intentional, and present in your online classroom. In his Magna Online Seminar, Implementing Mindful Online Teaching Using Zoom. One of the things that I've seen on campus, and I'm sure if you've been working on college campuses too, you've seen some of this too, is that uh, there's a a huge uh, mental health crisis on our campuses. Um, This was, uh, you know, present before uh, the pandemic, and it's certainly going to be around after as well. And so this is some of the data I'm sharing here is from the Jed Foundation. And the Jed Foundation did a a survey uh, in 2020 where they interviewed 200 uh, students, uh, college students, and uh, what they found was that there's some serious mental health issues that are happening in terms of anxiety and stress, uh, loneliness, depression, um, having trouble sleeping and having trouble uh, concentrating. And these are things that are happening across campuses, not just because of the pandemic um, or it's gonna, uh, was happening before the pandemic. Um, students are feeling isolated, they're feeling uh, lonely. And the, and the concerns are that as they're taking more and more online classes, are they feeling more and more isolated from uh, classmates? Um, when I see these numbers and see these statistics, one of the things I always think about is what I can do as a classroom teacher um, to help support students and help them feel more uh, uh, attached to uh, their classmates, more connected to uh, the professors. And one of the things I came to as I was thinking about how I could support my students um, both in online classes and in face-to-face classes and how I can support their, their mental health and well-being was I started to think about mindfulness. And, um, and I know that this mindfulness concept, like, uh, you know, it, you come across it in, in a lot of self-help places and, and it seems like a very touchy-feely type of thing. And then it's like, well, how does that apply to our, uh, our collegiate classrooms? And I think I, I don't want to take us down the route of, uh, you know, like Zen Buddhism or anything like that here. I just, I guess the definition for mindfulness that I want to apply for us today is this, is just being aware. Um, It's being aware of the particular qualities, being intentional, being present, being friendly, being open, caring, curious, and aware. So that's really the focus that I want to take today is how can we be mindful? How can we be present and aware of the things that we can do in, in our synchronous spaces to help foster uh, a, uh, a sense of belonging, a sense of uh, community in our synchronous classrooms. In the following, Dreyan offers techniques to help foster a sense of community in the online space. From making time to vacation backgrounds, he explains that it's the little things that can help engage students and make them excited to attend class. The first one is make time. And, and for me, 
this is one of the things that I, as, as a classroom teacher, I, I always came to class early if it was a face-to-face classroom and I'd stick around after. And this is where, where students would stick around and ask questions. And then some of the students would come before class and ask questions. And I find that with, with, with Zoom and with our synchronous spaces, we do this a lot less. Uh, what we do is if the class starts at nine, we'll open it up at nine. And what I decided to do uh, early on is start telling students, I'm going to open up the class like 15 minutes early. And then what I found was that students started coming earlier. And I'd, I'd actually open the room early and just like play some music from my Spotify account or something, just something that just like kind of, you know, fill the space with some, some ambience. And I found that students would come just to kind of hang out and, and ask questions. And then at the end, you know, I found that if I kept the room open for a few minutes, some of the students would stick around after class to, to ask questions, to say, hey, you know, I had a question about this assignment. I had a question about this. And those types of things are things that we tend, you know, not to really think about with Zoom. What we do with Zoom is we start it and stop it on the, on the hour that has been scheduled. And I think what that does is that, you know, it doesn't leave the opportunities for those sort of like just-in-time conversations that tend to happen in our face-to-face classrooms. Those things where somebody comes in and you see their backpack or you see that they have a, you know, a button or a, a rock band t-shirt or something. And it fosters all sorts of like impromptu conversations that build those connections. What I tried to do was just create these sort of like events. Um, I had a hat day. I had a school spirit day. So everybody wore a school spirit sweatshirt or a school spirit hat, like so to represent the university. Uh, I did day where people introduce their pets. Again, these are just like things the beginning of, you know, I had all the people projected. Just take your second to introduce your pet. Um, Vacation background day. This was a really popular one. Like I just had the students um, because, you know, we all have these, you know, in Zoom, we could all do backgrounds. And so I asked the students, okay, if you could pick, you know, and this was great, like as we were in the throes of winter, right? I said, okay, it's it's cold. It's kind of depressing and dark out there. Uh, where is it you'd like to go and, you know, get that picture. It could be, you know, real or it could be fictional. And so I had students that were like, you know, putting up pictures of like places in, in, in Star Wars and people from, you know, places from comic books and things. So it was really cool to see what their interests were and what their things that they, they'd like to visit. And these are, again, things that may seem like a distraction in the class, but they're actually not because they could just take a second or two at the beginning. The students feel like they anticipate coming to class because I've done something to make the you know, to break up sort of like the monotony of uh, attend Zoom, log into Zoom, you know, go through slides, and then they leave. And what I've tried to do is to, you know, I would do these things in my face-to-face class, and what could I do um, in in my online space as well? One of the goals for for me and my my online classes is I try to hear from every student every day. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I hear their voice, but I want them to participate every time, every class. And so this requires some some real intentionality on my part. So this is, and I've tried to use a bunch of different techniques to to, to talk about this. And but the first one is is Wheel of Names. Uh, this is a website, and um, but Wheel of Names is almost like a uh, a Wheel of Fortune site. And what you do is you can just take uh, and put the students' names in this little like sidebar, and it creates a wheel with all the students' names in it. And I project that in there, and I'll I'll throw out a question and then I'll hit the wheel of names and it kind of goes around randomly until eventually it stops on a student. And so as everyone is looking at the wheel of names, they're anticipating that someone is gonna is going to be selected. 
what that does is then after I hit the hit the the selection, that person's name is pulled off of the wheel and the wheel can continue. And so, you know, for bigger classes, it might be hard to get everyone involved that way. But what I do is it, it sort of randomizes the process a little bit so that it is selecting someone that I'm going to call on. Um, and it's sort of like a fun way of getting the students in, engaged. And they, they know that everyone's going to get, you know, or almost everyone is going to get selected at some place. And again, this is my way of getting students to be engaged in the class to hear from every student every time. There are also numerous features on Zoom that are built in to help increase student engagement. And Megwin Lovelace's Magna Online Seminar, an online educator's guide to using Zoom features to enhance student interactivity. She explains how you can go from being simply lecture-based to an interactive lecture via Zoom. From polling to video viewing, Lovelace explains how to integrate Zoom features to help enhance student interactivity in your own online class. Why and when should I use polling? When can it be useful? Um, this is just a little bit of a brainstorm of mine. This is what I have used polling for. Um, it can be great to figure out what background knowledge your students have when they're coming into class. So let's say you plan to have a flipped classroom and you plan for them to prepare certain things. You want to make sure that they're actually ready to use that knowledge when you get to the classroom. So you give them a little pretest um, to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Um, you can get a sense of who has come prepared, right? There's a way that you can record the polling statistics. If you're interested, you can get though, you can have access to them um, during class, but you can also have access to that later. Um, another interesting thing to do is to have students take a poll as they come into class. And then after you've worked on the material for your class period for however long, quiz them again and just see how that how the overall scores have improved right um, particularly as they're seeing their scores improve it's going to get them a, a sense of accomplishment and a real um, positive sense of your class having been fruitful having been really useful um, polls are also a great way to get some conversations going before you take them out into breakout rooms maybe i maybe for the poll that we just had up about burgers or spaghetti um, maybe I want them to practice having a debate and one has to be pro-burger and one has to be pro-spaghetti and they have to um, really get into it and, and talk about the pros and cons of both, right? So I can do the poll first, then send them to their breakout rooms and they sort of have that poll in their heads as something that they can um, then elaborate on. So you can set up any number of polls and each of those polls can have any number of questions and you can then launch them in sequential order, in whichever order you want. Zoom should walk you through that, right? So when you say you want to do a poll, it'll bring up a window and you'll be able to check which of those polls you want to do. And it will then broadcast all of the questions from that particular poll, right? One of the cool thing about polls is you can actually rebroadcast the same poll later in class. In addition to polling, Lovelace explains how she uses video viewing and the annotate function to do a number of things to help get students moving and engaged during her lectures. All right, let's go back to their screen. This is what it looks like when you press that button. And I've put a red arrow here just to remind you that you always, always, always want to tell it to, to share computer sound um, if you plan on watching any videos or listening to any sound. That means that they're hearing the, the audio 
as it comes through your computer, not as it would come through your computer's microphone. There's also a button here to optimize for video viewing. I actually prefer to watch videos at the same time through Zoom with my students. Um, other people have some trouble just because of internet connectivity. Um, you could do it both ways, right? You could send a hyperlink through the chat, and so students who are having any trouble can access that on their own, and or they could watch with the rest of the class. So you could do that either way. So when you share the screen, you're going to have this option to annotate, right? You have an option to do text, to draw, to stamp. This annotate function is one of the number one ways that I get students engaged, right? Um, like I said, I really want to see their fingers moving. I want to see them um, participating using their fingertips. So I'm getting them to write in the chat. I'm getting them to give me thumbs up or clap. And then what I'm getting them to do is to annotate on top of the screen that I'm sharing. So this is what it would look like for the student view. For the student view, they have a green bar at the top of their screen which says you are viewing someone's screen. And next to that is an options bar, and they can come down here to where it says annotate. What I have students do on the annotate function is, um, gosh, it's you can do any number of things. One of my favorite is just to leave the whiteboard open and to have students brainstorm on that whiteboard. Right now, um, I'm talking to a bunch of different groups of incoming freshmen who are starting their orientation and have tons of questions about their classes and about New Orleans and about Tulane and about campus. And what I have them do, because they're all very nervous and none of them necessarily want to talk out loud, I have them do anonymous brainstorming on the whiteboard. This is something that you could also do through a site like Padlet, but um, my preference is to keep it basic, to keep it simple. And one of the reasons that the whiteboard is fun is because the students can change the color, the students can change the size, some of the students end up drawing instead of just using text. And it's, it's a fun way of getting them to be a little more playful. Overall, whether you're using Zoom or any other platform for your online classes, Loveless expresses the importance of incorporating movement so students learn with both their minds and bodies. Uh, my experience with Zoom was actually quite limited before we went online last semester. And everything that I'm presenting to you, I've gotten either through um, training sessions that I've been to or just trial and error about what has worked in my classroom. One of the things that really stands out about my teaching is um, this emphasis on kinesthetic learning. So I think it's very important that students learn not just with their minds, um, but also with their bodies, that that really helps to underscore what they're learning is to have them moving around and using their bodies in order to get all of the different points across. Whether you're driving to work or you just need a 15-minute think session, we hope the Faculty Focus Live podcast will inspire your teaching and offer ideas that you can integrate into your own course. For more information on the resources included in this episode, please check out the links provided in the episode description.